Carrie, who can forget our episode, right, on us and... Them. (laughs) And, And you know what? From that episode, people really were touched their emotions were charged i i remember a lot of mecco alumni reaching out to me one person was even in tears saying listen you're bringing up stuff man that i forgot about i can't for, you know think can't help but forget you know uh, not forget at least the the divide that went on between us and them for real for real yeah and i i got a lot of backlash for saying us and them but that's the way that it was structured and I still feel so much shame about it and and it's upsetting to me that it wasn't more inclusive and that you know I didn't invite you to my birthday party and all these things that we admitted in this episode did churn up a lot of memories for I think Mecca students and Whalen students and other people just reflecting on their childhood and how race was a part of that. Oh yeah, you remember I kept getting phone calls of people talking to me for like hour and a half. I'm like, yo, I gotta go back to work. They're like, listen, well when I was in the seventh grade or when I played on this team, I'm like, whoa, we really brought out a lot. So we want you guys to re-listen if you've already listened and if you haven't, check out us and them. I'm I'm telling you, it's worth it. Thanks so much. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go rate it and leave us a comment. And we totally appreciate hearing from you all. Thank you. Bye. Welcome to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks. I'm Gloria Harrison, a TV producer living in New York. And I'm Carrie Clifford, an actor and writer living in Los Angeles. We first met in elementary school outside Boston. When I was part of a program that bused kids from the inner city to school in the suburbs. We're going to talk about privilege and disadvantage. And about what it's like to move from one world to another without really feeling at home in either. In this podcast, we're having conversations about race. And the awkwardness that comes with learning about people from another culture. Did your family ever host a MECO student? No. And to be honest, I don't even... I'm sure there was some sort of system that that happened, but I don't even remember that. It, like, I don't remember it even being a discussion. You know, we had, well, depending on the year, but my mom had three kids. Like, we didn't really have room. I, I don't even know what went into that. But I just remember there were certain families, like I remember who your host family was. Um, I remember there was another uh, friend, Brian. I remember, like, who his family was. You know, there were certain Mecca kids that I knew whose family there was, but but now looking back on it, I'm sort of like, did every Mecco kid have a host family? Was it an optional thing? Did they not want it? You know, it's kind of interesting to me, like, like, do you remember how you got a host family? Were yeah, you just- because I played sports. So early on, I think a lot of kids who did after school activities, people like the Mecco um, counselor would connect us with the family. So these were people. So I'm guessing that these families volunteered or were asked. So that's why I was curious, like, did your family ever um, host a family or did you guys volunteer? Were you ever curious about it? The hosting? I don't even, I honestly don't even remember it being an option. Like it just wasn't discussed in our family. I don't know if my parents talked about it, but it wasn't discussed. But I just remember thinking like, oh, that's interesting. Because I knew like who your family was, your Mm -hmm. host family was. But I don't know who's everyone host family. So that's why now looking back, I just have those questions like, oh, did did everyone have one? Did And did you get to choose? Like, I don't think you... I got to choose. Uh, but then it... didn't you leave your original host family or something? Yes. As I got older, I changed to other kids and I who I felt more connected to. 
So, so I didn't, yeah, I think in the beginning, it's like, we're so young that they just kind of paired us up. So I'm guessing with families who were interested and willing to host a MECO student and then whose, uh, MECO students, whose parents said it would be okay if my child stayed at another family's house. But that has to be weird too, that you just got randomly paired with, because when it, what it evolved to was great, but initially you just got paired with some random family and you might not have even been friends with that kid. Right. And looking at the world now, the idea of that, oh, yeah. how unsafe, how yeah. crazy that is on both ends. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know how, who thought of it. Um, but it goes back to what I said about the MECO program. All in all, did so many things right. And, and I'm so glad that I was able to stay at a host family's house, like after school and, and be able to have a place to go when otherwise I don't think I would have been able to participate and there were so many other things I wanted to do at the school. I just couldn't do it. Like my thought I, was always, how am I going to get home? And and I think also it made me as a kid think that you guys lived in like Maine, that you lived so far <laughs> away. Because I mean, really, you, you know, we were 18 miles outside of Boston. So I know by taking the bus that elongated the trip and everything, but yeah. it wasn't like you guys were like three states over, but that's kind of what it made it seem like you had to have this host family because you couldn't possibly do a sport and then get home that same night. You know what I mean? You know what's funny? It felt like that to me too, because it was a whole day before we even began what would be a normal day for a typical student. So honestly, it felt like two different worlds. So early to get up, so early to get home. Don't know if you're coming or going. It was... Yeah, it was a learning uh, process for sure. Even and I think it, that's what was communicated to us too, like how badly we felt for these kids because they had to get up so early. So again, I think for, you know, when you're eight years old, you don't know how far Boston is when you're just like living in this white suburb. So I think just the idea that you guys had to get up at five or whatever it was that was communicated to us, you had to get up so early and get on the bus and come out to our town. And then you had to have a host family because... There's meanwhile, like my dad worked in Boston. And so he managed to like, (laughs) yeah, he managed to get into Boston for work and then come home, you know, but um, yeah, but I think that also just sort of played into the sort of ostracizing you guys because you even the term like you had a host family like this wasn't. An international or exchange student. Didn't it sound like that? <laughs> totally. Because and that, I was going to say, when you said, did we have a, 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 did we host a student? We did host a, a French student my junior year in, in high school, you know, which is like the same kind of, that's what it makes it seem like it's the same kind of thing. Like Exactly. You know, you, you know, I, when you were younger and not even elementary, you may not remember junior high, even did it ever get weird to you about Mecco kids? Cause I know we talk about us and them. And if I were to look at you, if I could see you right now and say to you, we never talked about Wayland kids or white kids amongst the Mecco kids that just simply would not be true. So I'm wondering amongst your friends or not only amongst your friends, maybe they weren't your friends. Did you ever hear rumblings about the MECO program, about the busing system? You know, um, because I did on my end in terms of, you know, I told you that kids didn't feel like they were accepted. So I'm wondering on the the flip to that, did, was there ever conversations um, said about MECO students? I don't think there was any, not in, 
like no one in my little circle would have said anything, you know, racist or derogatory, but yet our actions were, I would have never, never thought to invite you over to play, you know? So it's not like, it's not like someone told me that it's us and them, but that just, if I was thinking about who I wanted to have a play date with or who I wanted to have sleep over, it never would have crossed my mind. It was just like, you might as well have been at a different school because it just wasn't, I wouldn't have thought that. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't have thought to be like, oh, are you guys coming to our party this weekend? You know, and like the Whalen kids, like we would always go to Christie's Market and and see like that was where kids would hang out to see who was having a party or whatever. Right. (laughs) And you guys were never there. Right. And and it wasn't ever like, oh, why is, why are no Metco kids? It was just like, you guys came in, you did your school, maybe you stayed for sports or a play and then you went home. But it wasn't like, so, so I, and I'm sure people there were, I'm not trying to say that no one was mean or whatever, but it just wasn't part of our conversation in my group. It wasn't really part of our conversation, but, but my actions were not necessarily inclusive. Right. You weren't included, but it wasn't like we said something like, oh, I don't want those Mecco kids at my birthday party. It just wasn't, I would have never thought to invite you to my birthday party. Never. And, but it wasn't, it wasn't a race thing. It was, it was just that you guys weren't on an equal playing field. You guys came in, you did your school, you did your sports, you did your play, and then you left. So it just wasn't part of our culture to think like, Oh, does Gloria want to go to a movie tomorrow? Right. Right? So, like, so, yes, it's terrible now looking back on that. But it was more our actions rather than calling you guys derogatory things or – but it was not inclusive because you guys were guests. And then you had the struggle of feeling like being a guest in the town where you were going to school and uh, supposedly we're supposed to be friends with these people. Because when I think now about, you know, my close friends from Wayland, like people that I grew up with, most of them I went to school with, like you, from the beginning, you know? And, and like, everything is integrated. Like, I think I've only met your parents like twice. And that's in my adult life, not even in our kid life, you know? Right. And versus my closest friends from growing up, like I know their parents, I like ran away to one of their houses, you know? <laughs> I mean, there was just so much more integration and of, of the families, I mean, you know, in right. our town than you guys. Like, and but I, I got to tell you the things that you're saying, I had that with another student at Wayland that was not a Mecco student where I was at their house so often that their parents knew me, like even going on vacations with them. So wait, but your host family or a different family, a chosen host family. Right. Right. So we became friends and I spent a lot of time with them. So you're right. It it just depends. And, and, and in your circle, you probably didn't give it a thought, but there were other kids that did give it a thought. And so I did experience both. And then, like I said, the one person I mentioned, it was when she was 18 and we graduated that, you know, she wanted to see a little bit more about me and where I came from. And like, what about, this is more like in high school, but remember in high school for, because you played basketball and like, sort of like the night before a basketball game, you'd go to someone's house and have dinner. Yes. Did you do that? (laughs) 
Um, not all the not, not all the time. I only did it if I stayed stayed over. Like there's a right. One I was going to say because you, you wouldn't have because yeah. that became a late night. We'd go like after practice to someone's house and like the mom would make dinner. But you're not going to stay out and wail until seven o'clock. No, and then they do things after the games, and I was like, I can't do that. Right. So I felt, yeah, it was tough. I'm like, I can't. If I do that, how am I going to study for my test? How am I going? I just, it was, it was too much. And you were literally beholden to the bus schedule because it's not like, like for me, if I went over to someone's house, I could have my parents come pick me up and bring me home or whatever. Exactly. But you could only, you could only stay at school as late as a bus could take you home. Absolutely. And that was hard. It's like you wanted to do, I wanted to do more, wanted to see more, but also realistically, it wasn't going to happen. Like my mom was not coming to Wayland at 730 to pick me up. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't going to happen. And it didn't happen. And I think that that's also like, we knew that, right? So we Mm -hmm. knew your mom wasn't going to come get you. So why should I, I would never think to invite you to go to the movie tonight because I know you can't go or whatever. Right. Right. So, so, so imagine that there's that whole, like you said, my click, my group, that's that whole pressure of being a teenager. Yeah. And picking your groups and then add race into it. So it's not only that I'm not even fitting in the groups or I'm kind of got my hand a little bit of everything. It's I don't even want to say race. It's as much as it is disadvantage because I don't mm-hmm. live there. And, and that's just a fact. It's like I didn't live there. So there was no way for me to even participate even more if I wanted to. Right. Right. And I think just in that, too, like we <laughs> We kind of clumped you guys all clumped you guys all together, you know. That's like, oh well, he's a Mecca student, or you know, it's almost like a dismissive thing, sort yeah. of like, right? Like it was, um, I don't know. It was sort of like we made you guys into this group, and of course, now looking back on it, you weren't friends with everyone in that group. I mean, there's no way. It's just like I wasn't friends with all the white people, you know. Um, so, but still when, when it was happening, um, we would just kind of clump you guys all together that like, oh, well, they're Mecca students. Another <laughs> thing that I just remember that I think was around like third or fourth grade, and I don't know if we're saying names, so I won't say a name, but I do remember a classmate of ours uh, going and having a sleepover at your house. Yes, that was a disaster. Well, I, I don't remember. Okay. You got to tell me from your perspective, but I, I just, what was so interesting and this just shows like how sheltered we were, but it was like, you know, she said you lived in an apartment. We're like, what's an apartment? Like, right. like you know what I mean? We're such suburb so kids. So my parents we- owned their home and it was a yeah. two flat. So there was a first floor apartment and then you go up the stairs and a second floor. They owned the house. Right. But I think it was like my aunt or something that they rented to. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. So it was a two flat. And as I remember, my mom took her to the aquarium. We went out to eat. We had the best day ever. Mm-hmm. But when we came to go, when it was time to go to my house and go to sleep, I think it was a complete culture shock. Mm-hmm. And that is having to go and it's a community and they are, they, they weren't apartment buildings. They were houses, but they, you know, it's, it's like a two flat. But if, right, you're, right, if you're, right. if, but if you live in the suburbs and you've never seen it, I get, I can imagine that it looks like an apartment. Right. Um, but, but it was, but yeah. Cause I mean, now it's like, I, you know, we've both lived in buildings like that, but at that time we all had houses with yards 
Yep. And so we didn't, we only knew Boston from like going to the science museum or the aquarium or our dads worked there. Right. You know, like we didn't know what living in Boston meant or whatever. So I got to tell you, so I had been, I'm sure at this person's house on multiple occasions. Right. And even in the nighttime, although I had fun too, felt the same thing, missed my parents in the evening, like wanted right. to go home, but I never went home. Right. When she came to my house, we did everything during the day. And when it got time to go to sleep, she was absolutely terrified. She wanted to go home and she missed her parents. And I got to tell you, that was, that's something I will never forget. Yeah. And I said to my mom, why is it that I can go to, and this is this and them again, to their houses, stay there, stay a night, but they're not comfortable coming to our house. Yep. You know, so that, that, that was um, a tough, a tough experience actually. But, and that is like, it, the, I remember that because, and I only remember hearing about that once. I'm sure there was other times, but maybe not. Like it, there wasn't a lot of, you guys came to our town and you would stay sometimes with people or stay with your host family, but we never went to your town. We never exchanged. And I tell you, I never invited anyone white to my house yeah. after that. Yeah. But senior year, I did have one of my white friends come and she was so curious because she said, you've always been to mine. I said, she goes, is your mom going to cook? I said, you want soul food? My mom makes everything and she made it and we had a ball. And I said to her, listen, I didn't grow up wealthy like you. I don't have like, there's like five of us, there's three bedrooms. Three of us shared a room. There was two bunks and another bed. I said, this is my reality though. But if you want to get to know me and you want to get to know who I am, I'll show you who I am. Right. But if you're going to be not till senior year. Yeah. But, but, uh, and, and and let me tell you why she was 18, I think, and did it on her own because her parents did not want her to do it either. They were like, it's not you, Gloria. It's not your family. We're scared for the crime that's in Dorchester, the things that we've heard, the gang violence, the drive-bys. And I get it. And I said to my mom, well, then I don't want to stay at their house. Why is it that I can stay at their house, but they're afraid to come to my house? And then it makes you ashamed of your house and where you're from. And that's like, just perpetuates everything. Yeah. And what 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 I did was when I said no one else came to my house, I wasn't ashamed as much as I said, you know what, if you don't want to get to know me, I'm okay with it. If you're not open to it, and and I get it, it's, we were from the inner city. Right. You know what I mean? And that's a scary time, I guess, to, to go to a different environment. So I think it was pre her time, like she definitely wasn't ready. And she apologized, her mom did, and my mom, and, you know, we talked, but as a, as a child, I, I felt bad. Right. You know, and I said to my mom, well, I don't understand. She's like, Gloria, you know, she did everything else with you. It was just when it was time to go to sleep. She just didn't think. I think she really feared that she wouldn't wake up, that she wouldn't see her parents, that she might be dead. I really, (laughs) I really think that. And it's like, you know, I can't change your view. And I understand. And I moved on. But, you know, I just it was a bad moment. It was like, okay, wow. So I'm good enough to. Yeah. I wasn't even there. And I remember that moment. I remember that as being a thing. So that's how like, you know what I mean? Like these things are, um, they're like monumental, you know? Absolutely. For both sides. And it's like you, so, so what I learned in that moment is like, okay, you know what? My story is different from her story. Her story is more glamorous. Her story comes from, um, I'm going to say it privilege. 
Right. Okay. I'm coming from disadvantage and yet I'm still having to go through all of these hoops just to be considered equal in your eyes. And in your eyes, I will never be equal, but that's not for me to worry about. Right. Because I'm going to keep going and figure out, you know, how to be successful, how to be around people who appreciate me for who I am and not someone who is going to make me feel bad or even feel bad, which will make me feel bad. Even if she didn't do it on purpose, she was genuinely scared. And that was scary for me to watch. Like, I'm like, do you think I would let something happen to you? But like what her mom was saying, it wasn't even that she thought I would. It's that we live in the inner city. We are in an area where there is gang violence. We are in the area where people have been shot and some people have died. So that was the reality. And you, you, you know, obviously that stuff doesn't happen all the time, but that's your preconceived notion that that's going to happen. I'm going to go to Dorchester and I'm going to be shot. Right. That's your, right. That's your extreme that you don't, that you don't think seriously that we have a park you don't think that we go to church. You don't think that we have the American dream just like you do. But the difference is we go back to the line that I was talking about. And it's like, you know what? You've had a head start. And because of that, it's different. The playing field is not the same. Yep. And, 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 and really, honestly, until people begin to look at that, they'll, they'll never understand. So, yeah, so, so I'm supposed to, because I grew up in the inner city, and some people do, they don't let anybody come to their house. They don't, they live in a bubble. They say, I'm not going to, I'm going to keep it us and them. I'm not even going to get to know them. I'm not even going to waste my time because they think they're better than us. You know, which is still happening, which, which is, is still a lot happening. of the reason why everything's happening right now. Right. People right. thinking that they're better. Yep. And, and it comes to, uh, it, all the way back to uh, and no joke. It comes to uh, being born in privilege. And so many people are and they don't recognize it. They're like, no, I worked hard to get where I, I, I where I am today. You worked hard. I'm not taking away from that. But you also had a little stoop, someone to put you on a pedestal, someone to help prepare you. And it's not anything to feel bad about. It's just it's the way it is. These are these are not excuses. These are facts. If we go back to the beginning of the MECO program, the beginning of first grade, you know, and saying that this is a wonderful opportunity, it is but it was set up with little to no preparation. And I don't want to offend those people that had this great idea because I still think it was a great idea. I just think more could have been put into it because yes, am I a victim of my, the inner city? Am I a single mother today with um, children? No, but I have friends that are. Um, Did I go down the path that I could have gone? Did I become a statistic? No. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for my experience going through the MECO program, being exposed to different things through the MECO program, but also having a mom and dad who came from nothing. And I stand on their shoulders and say, with nothing, we're going to make something. Because you know what they told me, which what I have is what you cannot buy. And that's being rich in your spirit. When I was in Wayland, when I was in first grade, my mother would say, Gloria, you are so rich. And I'm like, well, how come like you're struggling to pay the bills? Like I would just be like, what? She goes, you're rich in your spirit. And I said, mommy, what does that mean? She said, you have what so many people don't have. You 
were born rich in your spirit. Gloria derives from the word glory. So when she was telling me all this, I'm like, oh, shoot. She's like, so you don't have financial things, but you can look in the mirror and learn to love yourself and feel good about who you are. To me, that is priceless. She's like, you're going to have kids. Oh, they have all the money in the world. But do they love themselves? What do they offer to the world? So growing up, although I didn't have the financial aspect of it, I knew what it felt to be loved and to know that, you know what, my life had value and that no matter what was around me, that my life was what I made it. And that if I find resources, that I can do it. So even in the MECO program, feeling like I had this opportunity and many days feeling like I did it, I was able to, luckily for me, find resources where people, I call them educational angels. Mm -hmm. People who saw me struggling and said, you know what, let me help you. Why don't you come after, don't go to recess. Come, let me help you with your paper. You're having trouble with math? Come a couple of days earlier. No one needs to know. I just want to help you. And if we had more educational angels like the people I had in my life, I think um, the world would be better off. You know, and I think that these conversations are going to open it up. And and I really want to coin that. Seriously, educational angels, people that look beyond their job. Yep. And if you could understand, what did I tell you last week? That my kids understand when they go to school that everyone has a backstory. That yep. you don't know what someone had for breakfast. You don't know what their night was like. You don't know what their sleeping arrangements are like. So when someone comes to class and maybe they're not talking or maybe their clothes don't look the best. Don't be a part of the other peers who laugh at other people. I did that myself. And I had to learn. It's like, you know what? Don't be a follower. Be a leader. You know, and I always tell them that mommy, your mom, you guys live in Westchester now, but your mom was one of those children. I had the backstory that nobody knew anything about. So So they're being raised to be more conscious, to be more passionate, also to stand up for what they believe in and not settle. So I'm excited about, you know, moving the next generation forward. Totally, totally. You've been listening to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks with my mom, Gloria. And my mom, Carrie. This episode was produced by Carrie Clifford, Gloria Harrison, Katie Levine, and an ACL joint production. Tune in next time to hear more from our moms. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.